Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. Hard work, clean fuel, no excuses today. This time I've got to speak to the co-founder and CPO, as chief product officer, of Jocko Fuel, Brian Littlefield. We talk about fitness, persistence, and overall the origin of how Brian got into the business of nutrition and supplementation. This is a powerful one. Listen in. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you had an awesome week. Hope you've been listening to a ton of Success Magazine podcasts. And today I've got Brian Littlefield. You may have heard of his name. You may have not. But at the end of this, you're going to be a fan because this guy, I was doing some research. It's intense in a great way. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Let's get right into this, man. How the hell did you start with nutrition? Like, why <laughs> nutrition? <laughs> um. It's an interesting story and uh, it's kind of a long one. And I know we only have like 45 minutes to an hour, so we'll, we'll keep it direct. Um, I grew up in a pretty athletic household, uh, but I am 10 years apart from my closest sibling. So I was an afterthought. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was, an, I was oh, an afterthought for sure. So um, always kind of grew up in the shadows. They were all like my three brothers that were closest to me were all like really good athletes. Um, we had, you know, professional athletes in our, you know, like one of my cousins was a, kind of a local phenom professional athlete oh. and kind of grew up in those shadows and, um, played sports all the way up really until like freshman year in high school and immediately got distracted by two primary things, cars and, uh, women, you know, it, you know, it hit that peak, you know, purity hit, testosterone's <laughs> like just ramping up. And the, I loved like anything adrenaline and, um, and girls, you know, that's, that was, and I got completely sidetracked, um, for better or worse. So, uh, completely kind of, you know, fell off the map when it came to ball sports. And in doing so, I kind of, um, fell off what we would call here, you know, at Jocko Fuel, the path. And, you know, what that path is, is, is something that, you know, um, Jocko has defined as like basically doing the things that you know you should be doing on a daily basis. And um, I became very overweight very quickly. Oh. And yeah, I'm not genetically gifted in the sense of, um, you know, like I can eat whatever I want, never work out and have six pack abs. Like, that's just not who I am. My parents aren't like that. Um, even my brothers who like, they, you know, were great athletes. Like they're not necessarily genetically gifted. It was just like kind of ingrained from them, you know, to work hard and practice all the time from, from a young yeah. age. A lot, of, a lot of that came from my father. So, um, I kind of blew up, you know, in high school, and then really bad in college. So I um, fast forward a little bit. <clears throat> I go off my freshman year. Uh, for whatever reason, my roommate and I decided to get an apartment uh, around the block from like a 24 hour uh, walk in McDonald's, you know, freshman year. Dollar <laughs> I thought you were going to say 24 hour fitness. <laughs> no, man. No, this is this is this is this. <laughs> um, this is like the, the, the destiny for whatever reason. And, um, yeah, it was bad, you know, like doing, um, and I had taken, like, there was a gap, like there was, I had taken a few years off between high school and college. So to just kind of work and figure things out and, um, in doing so, you know, I, I just wasn't really doing anything physical with my life. So I went to school, you know, I kind of did that, that old thing that they, they've been telling us for the last few decades, which is do what you love and you'll never work a day of your life. Well, I took what I loved, which was cars. And I was like, I'm going to go to um, the top university uh, for, for basically racing and race cars, like where you can actually get like a regionally accredited degree in actually working on and building and working on a race team. That's, where is so this? Like, in Ohio. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so it's the premier, it really is the premier motorsports school in the world. Um, and so 
uh, I went there and, you know, did, did a couple of years, got some, um, got some degrees in that. And then in that period, I like, again, traveling, working on a race team, eating shitty food, you know, mm. living in shitty hotels, like realized, you know, Hey, I just turned my hobby and my passion into something that I'm not really enjoying anymore. So I had always been drawn to business. Like my father, um, you know, God love him. You know, he's passed now, but uh, he was a, a multiple time failed entrepreneur, like just many, many business uh, businesses failed. And, but he never stopped trying mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and um, it's, I got a lot of that, that entrepreneurial spirit from him. Uh, but I got the work ethic and the drive from my mother because um, she's a grinder, absolute grinder. Good so combo, man. It was a good combo. Um, so I decided like I need to, to change things up. Simultaneously, you know, I was I had gotten introduced to a guy and that's kind of all it takes sometimes is, um, you know, just that one connection. And he's like, hey, man, do you, do you want to? Like we hit it off and he was a little bit older as well in the program. So he said, Hey, do you want to come to the gym with me? And I started hitting up the gym and he handed me a book. It was an old school, old school, uh, nutraceutical book from like the bodybuilding world, like back in the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't really mention it, but coming up through school and through high school, everybody thought I was going to go into the sciences, like something with science, either engineering or oh, why was that? probably the medical field. Well, there was a lot of people in the medical field in my family oh. and I was always drawn to it. And I would always, uh, excel in like all of my classwork, you know, top of my class when it came to, you know, AP and biology and chem and things like that. So like everybody was really surprised when I didn't go in that direction, mm -hmm. uh, but it's because I enjoyed doing it. You know, when you're young and you're, you know, kind of ADHD, you, you're just, you're going to apply yourself where you have interest. It doesn't mean that's necessarily where you're going to go. So um, I excelled in those areas naturally. Um, and then, you know, it just, it wasn't the direction I went in. So I have this in the back of my mind mm -hmm. and I kind of always understood it really easily. I would say more so than some. And he, you know, introduces me. I'm at this time, like I'm 200, like I'm 5'10". I was 265 pounds oh. of like no muscle, like no muscle. This is <laughs> zero muscle. pounds of like just I don't even know what to call it politely, but uh it, it was it was you know it wasn't good and it wasn't healthy. You know, I had I was 20, you know, like let's say 22, 23 years old, and uh, uh you know, I had you know pre-hypertensive, I was you know, I felt like shit. I was, it was just not good. I uh, was, was not in a good place physically. Mm -hmm. So um, he convinces me to go to the gym. He hands me this book and like the nerd I am, I just like dive in. And I went down this, I quickly found myself, I, I, I find a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs and business people, they have this um, obsession with things and they get like their hooks in and then they just really go forward in that direction Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me. So I quickly found myself, and this is when I was still doing the automotive program. I would get done with my classwork. I would get done with any, you know, um, you know, race team work or whatever. And I would get home and I would be up all night. I'd go to the gym, right? I just started going to the gym and I'd be up all night reading about like nutraceuticals and, you know, the vitamins and nutrients and these phytochemicals and, and even like, different diet plans and workout plans and cold shock therapy, heat shock therapy, mm. the benefits of cold and sauna, you know, and, and just like, yeah, building this internal, like I had no idea why I just really enjoyed it. And because I understood science pretty well, like I absorbed it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it or why I was doing it. I just did it because it was a passion. So keep doing this fast forward. I find, um, I find jujitsu. And then that's how I got into jujitsu was a, a connection through, through that mm. connection to the gym. It was kind of funny is uh, for people that don't know about Brazilian jujitsu, it's a very interesting um, sport because it's, it's like, it takes the physical 
you, you would take like physical combat, like wrestling or something for people that don't know what it is, but then you apply the psychological aspect of like chess. So we really do, we call it like the human chess and just, that's another thing that I completely was like, okay, became obsessed with this, but because it like coincided with me diving into this health and wellness and nutritional and nutraceutical, um, really endeavor it, it just kind of all started coming together. And so I quickly became, I quickly fast forward a couple of years. Um, I decided to go back to school for business mm-hmm. at the same time. I've gotten good enough at this jujitsu thing where I start competing. I travel around, I'm coaching, I'm teaching, I'm doing private lessons and stuff. Oh. And I quickly become the go-to person for stuff. Like people are like, Hey, should I be taking, you know, protein? Should I be taking creatine? Do I need a multivitamin? So that's kind of how it happened. Like people would come to me for that recommendation. And I started kind of curating these, um, you know, fitness diet and nutraceutical plans for people. Okay. And then, yeah, I went to my, um, to the guy who owned the gym at the time, um, who I started training jujitsu under. And I was like, Hey dude, like we have this plaza. We were on a four lane road, you know, lots of traffic. I said, we have this plaza here. Let's open up a supplement store. Like let's mm-hmm. do it. And, um, you know, obviously we can sell to all, you know, the gym members, but we can take people and off the street and, you know, let's just see how it goes. What city was this in Lima, Ohio? Ah, you're still in Ohio. Got it. I'm still in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, I was there about a decade. So I, I was there for a while. And so we do it. We, you know, I go in, I partner with him, we open up and, and it goes pretty good. It goes pretty smooth. You know, we weren't making a killing, but you know, we weren't losing money. So, um, the one thing that it did for me though, is that I got to have now direct hands-on experience and anyone that's owned an independent store in that realm knows that you're going to just start getting flooded with like every product sample you could ever imagine from every company in the industry. So we just have boxes and boxes of stuff showing up. And that's when it got real serious. Like I started looking at the formulas, the way people were formulating, why were they adding these ingredients together? Because before it was a lot of like, well, this particular ingredient has been clinically shown to do X. Well, Awesome. And I look at that in a kind of a linear way. And a lot of people still look at things like that. But I started thinking differently and saying like, well, why are people combining ingredients? And I looked in a lot of the products that I was getting, I was like, there's like, no, there's really no like rhyme or reason why people are throwing these ingredients together. Is it marketing? Is it because they're cheap? And I didn't understand like the business side of those ingredients. I didn't know what the cost on those materials were or where they were sourced, you know, not like uh, regionally or internationally. So um, that's all stuff I had to learn. But I was like, why are they putting these formulas together the way they are? Yeah. So then I dove into that and quickly realized that you could make formulas better. You could make them work in synergy better that work on different mechanisms in the body to obtain a greater goal. And Mm. when I dove into that, that's when I was also simultaneously getting introduced to Pete Roberts, the founder of origin. So I, yeah. So I'm like in Ohio, I'm running my small business. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching a lot of jujitsu training, competing, uh, doing a little bit of MMA. I didn't do a lot of that stuff, but a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I decided to go to Maine to visit family because that's where I grew up. Okay. And I'm like, I'm going to bring my gi. I'm going to find somewhere to train. And I had heard of Origin. And this was 2014, I believe. And so I go back to Maine. I stumble into this, this dojo in the middle of the Maine woods. Like, I mean, middle of nowhere. It's in a town called Industry, Maine. I've and never heard of it, but that sounds like Maine. Like It is Maine. Like I mean, population, like, I don't know, 500 people that might actually, I might be overestimating that. So, um, and the thing is, is I didn't, I went there for the jujitsu, but I walked in and I opened the door on the first floor and there's a loom running and I'm like, there's a loom in here and it's weaving fabric. Like, 
4,000 individual pieces going up and down in synchrony. Like if you haven't seen one in person, it is magic. How it's, mm -hmm. how it runs is, is literally, it's like wizardry. So, um, I'm like blown away. I'm like, what the heck's going on? So I do my training thing and I, I grabbed Pete afterwards. I was like, Hey, thanks for having me. I was like, this is crazy what you guys are doing. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to take back manufacturing and he tells me the story how he started importing these martial arts uniforms for brazilian jiu-jitsu and then he was a world-class competitor like way better than i was and he had won the trials in america to go to abu dhabi and compete for the world Whoa. yeah and um on his way back to he so what happened was he went over there and he saw his design because he's a designer uh -huh. so he saw his design being ripped off over there so he gets back to the states and he calls the guy because 99 percent of martial arts equipment is made in pakistan yep interestingly enough and uh, so he calls the guy in pakistan and the guy says basically business is business and so he gets off the phone and he literally this it's no joke he calls a bunch of buddies and his father-in-law and they come over and they start he has like seven acres there they probably cut down half of it and literally start sawing out timber frames and to build a factory and he, he's on this mission he's like i'm gonna build a factory and start making geese here and nobody had ever done it before whoa uh, so i'm like i see this in the earliest phase the factory had you know not that i think had been built a year before mm -hmm. he had already found a loom you know found some sewing machines and a, and a couple people that would come to work for him so i was like okay i need I need to help this mission, especially like I had just graduated a couple of years prior and coming through in business. Like if you've gone to school for business in the last 20 years, the one thing you're going to hear is American manufacturing is dead and you need to focus on the service industry and this and tech and things like that. Yeah. And, and I had one professor who was like, man, everything is cyclical. It'll all come back someday. Yep. And then I walk in and I see this, and I'm like, so inspired. I'm like, I got to help. So that's what I did. And, you know, I started helping from, you know, from, from Ohio, from afar. And I was like, I got to get involved in this mission. And, you know, it was very small at the time, but it's, it's much larger now. So in 2016, I got a call from Pete. Um, I had helped, uh, I had created the wholesale division of the company. Essentially what that was, was I started building, um, b2b accounts with uh jujitsu schools and fight shops and things like that to sell direct to them for the origin brand how did and you do that did you just pick up the phone and start calling schools or so how was what, that? what i did was so i'm running my shop like during the week okay mm -hmm. and then on the weekends like i have my partner um on the weekends i i literally uh, it's kind of funny because when I told my wife that she thought I was nuts, um, but she supported everything I've done. But I told Pete, I said, send me a box of your product. I'm going to draw a six hour map, uh, a six hour radius on a map around Ohio. And I said, that's as far as I'll drive. So I'm going to call the place. I'm going to be like, hey, I want to come train with you guys. I'm from origin. If they didn't know who we were, I would tell them who we were. And I'd be like, hey, I'm just going to do a little bit of a show and tell. But all I want to do is come, you know, I'm going to give you the instructor or owner or whatever, some free product. I said, but I'm just going to drive there and train with all your guys. Okay. And most of them said, sure, come on in. Cause it's a very welcoming community. Yeah. It's it like a, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a brotherhood, uh, definitely a cult of culture. And nice. so I literally get in my car, throw all the stuff in my trunk and start driving school to school for, you know, different weekends. Um, I quickly realized that between that and the difference of just like making calls or getting introductions to people that this face-to-face -face thing works way better. And so it, it really did it. I actually had a 99% success rate where if I Damn. got into an Academy or a fight shop and got face-to-face -face with the ownership, I only never landed one account. Yeah. And I'm not a salesperson. All I did was just go in passionately and tell them the story about what we were doing and, you know, also make myself vulnerable getting out there training with them on the mats. And like, if they had 40 wow. students, yeah, that if was they it. had 40 students and every, every one of them wanted to roll with me, I would roll with every single one of them. I'd be there to like midnight or one o'clock and just Dude. be training. Um, it was, it was pretty crazy. So good thing I was in better shape back then. So uh, <laughs> uh, it was pretty wild, uh, but it was, it was, you know, it was very grassroots, but we went from, 
zero to uh, more than 120 wholesale accounts in the first 12 months. And that was a lot for us. So Pete gets on the phone, he calls me, he's like, like, you basically can't sell any more product. We can't make enough because, you know, there's seven people in this factory in Maine. That's when I say factory, we're talking 5,000 square feet at the time. Like that's the size of the factory. Okay. So uh, couldn't make enough product to the point where people were waiting months for product and they were so passionate about it. And it was such a higher quality because it was truly handcrafted um, that people would wait, but it got to a point where it was like, you, you just can't sell any more products. So um, he calls me, he's like, Hey, what do you, would you consider moving back to, to Maine? And I was like, yeah, I was like, but you know, I told him we will be like doing something in nutrition. And he knew my background and he's like hundred percent. We were very aligned that we would do something, but it was at some point, like, it was just, you know, at some point we'll do something. So I, decided to close down my shop. Me and my partner decided to, he was going to leave. He was going to sell, move to Florida. I was going to go do my thing. The timing actually worked out very perfectly. What year was this? 2016. Okay. Yeah. So it happened very quickly. 2014, I meet him. 2015, I come on. 2016, um, he's like, you got to move to Maine. Um, At that time, I was the first person in the company that relocated back to the state of Maine for uh, to, to, to join forces. And, cool. um, so, uh, this is in April mm-hmm. in June, he comes to me. He's like, I know a guy who's selling a, uh, a supplement company in the jujitsu community. And mm-hmm. I had heard of this company It's very niche. And, uh, he's like, do you want to go talk to him? I was like, yeah, let's go talk to him. So we go down, we talk to him and, uh, you know, it's small business, very small, but it was a way to get it started. And so we bought them. We, I came in, we, I, I invested, um, at the time, like this, this was early on in, in very grassroots. He didn't have the ability to pay me a lot of money when I was working for origin. Mm-hmm. And so I went to, to be able to partner and start this new endeavor. I had a home that I, I, at, at this point, this, it was a second home I had owned and I went to the bank and I was like, I need to take out a mortgage on this home that was already paid off. And I took the amount that I needed to invest. And I took the equal amount to live on for the next year to see if we could, to get it to profitability. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, you know, they, they always talk about taking that plunge. That was the plunge for me. It was like, that's a big risk, man. Yeah, it was, Uh, it's paid, you know, it's it's definitely paid off, but um, there I went, got the money and we went and bought this company. And that's when we made our first big tuition payment. So we took this brand and it looked like shit. Like it was like black and white packaging. It just absolutely looked terrible. And pizza designer, like he actually used to own a a marketing agency. And that was like how he cut his teeth was in like straight up art, graphic design. He's a very, very talented graphic designer. So he makes the packaging look beautiful. And we kind of just roll with the products the way they are. I didn't do any formulation or anything like that. I looked at them. They kind of fit within our guidelines, but I was like, you know, at some point we're going to redo this stuff, but let's just, let's not disrupt it too much, but he's just going to make the packaging look beautiful. And we actually lost 66% of our percent of the company sales in the first year. Oh, damn. And what we realized was there was an identity there with the consumer, with the previous branding that they had. Attached themselves to, and it was a very cult like micro brand, and we had disrupted that. Um, so we were in the process of I was building new products, he was building a new design, and we were repackaging it straight under the origin name, you know, out of pure, you know, um, destiny. We get a message, Pete and I are, are in downtown Farmington, Maine, we're in an office. Mm-hmm. And Pete gets a message from this wonderful lady named Sarah Armstrong. And she's like, Hey, you guys up there in Maine, uh, I know you're just running with your heads down trying to build this, this manufacturing company. Um, this guy, Jocko, he's trying to get in touch with you. So you wait, could wait, probably how, answer the phone. How had he tried to get a hold of you guys? 
I guess he had sent us messages through like our website. You know, you can remember like where we're like I had, you know, and I kind of glossed over it. Like I came up here to Maine to partner with Pete and on the origin side, I quickly had to stop selling. And because I had a business background and I had some experience in business, he quickly made me the number two. So I was like origins first COO and helped build the factory. And we went from, and this was during um, a period where we went from seven employees to more than 30 employees and in like a 12 month period. So it was a, it was a big step. Yeah. And um, so in that time frame, we get introduced to Jocko. And the reason why Jocko was trying to reach out was because he was also upset. He's a patriot. He's a true, like, you know, yeah. American, like American hero. And he loved the idea that there was American made geese and American made gear. He just loved it. And um, I believe he had bought some stuff and was like wearing it or whatever. And I guess he was talking about us on his podcast. Like, Hey, like, so finally Sarah was like reached out on his behalf relentlessly until she got a hold of Pete I was like, dude, you got to answer this guy. Like he's, and I had, I think I had heard of Jocko at the time and I was familiar with who he was. Pete hadn't. So Pete's like, okay, so they make the connection. Pete gets on a four hour zoom call with him and they just absolutely hit it off. Cause there are a lot of like in certain ways. Um, and it was great. And then next thing you know, he flies up to Maine, Pete and uh, Jocko have what they call a steak and a handshake in Portland, Maine. And that's where the partnership was founded in origin on the origin side, no which way. was awesome. not long after, like as, as we're doing this thing um, and as the conversation's happening, he knows we're doing nutritional products. Jocko, I didn't know this at the time, but Jocko had always wanted to do nutritional products, but he had always wanted to do it his way. And what I mean by that is he had an experience with the old school, I hate, I always have to say who it is because like I hate throwing people under the bus, but there was a really bad consumer product report that came out about heavy metals in muscle milk protein. And like it, he was consuming it at a high level and oh, like, wow. and his whole family was because they're like, as you can imagine, they're all studs, you know, so um, he was very, uh, I don't even know what you call it. I mean, he was disappointed with it. You know, he was just like, wow, this is crazy. You know, there's, it's full, you know, it's like very, really high in heavy metals. And, you know, like the kids have been taking it. His son, Thor, who's a stud now, um, you know, he was taking it. So it's, uh, it didn't, it left him with a bad taste in his mouth. And he was always like, you know, he wanted to do something, but do it the right way. And that's how I am. I'm a very, like, I lean in that direction anyway. I lean heavy towards efficacy, but also very, very clean label. Um, so him and I hit it off and then, um, we had the conversation and he's like, can it be done? Right. And I was like, absolutely, man. Like you just have to put the people before the profits, as long as you're good with that, which of course he was, cause he's Jocko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, we'll, we'll move forward. And, um, he was so in line with that. Pete was in line with that. Cause he's, he's a purist as well. I mean, anybody who, uh, decides to resurrect American manufacturing is obviously the purist. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We had a bit of a trifecta, and you know, Pete, who could design and market, myself, who understood the science and understood the supply chain at that time, and was able to build the structure around the early organization, and Jocko, who was the megaphone, who was going to go on the podcast, go on social media, and do his networking and tell people, "Hey, we've created this nutritional product that you know doesn't use." artificial sweeteners it doesn't use artificial colors uh artificial flavors um when we put something in a package uh, a few years later we waited nine months to install our pasteurization tunnel just to make sure that we weren't using chemical preservatives so um like we we just had a relentless pursuit of trying to make the absolute cleanest healthiest and most efficacious product possible so we were all in line and it just made it really easy those first few years and we we just you know, we did really, really well. What was the first product that you guys created or was it a few on the nutrition? Actually, so yeah, we talked about that and most companies will, when they launch, they'll launch with like a, a catalog, you know, they'll, they'll take like, Hey, this is, this is like where we want to fit in or they'll take like the top products and be like, Hey, um, 
we see this is a hot market, this is a hot market, and let's build a product for those particular things. Jocko was very specific. He's like, for any Jocko products that we're going to actually have his name on it, he's like, they they need to be ones I take. He's like, so we're going to build the products that I want to use. And if people want to buy them, cool. Um, and we were like, okay. So, and we knew he had a massive influence, but we just, you know, most, I would say most um, brands nowadays know that just because someone has a massive following doesn't mean that they're actually going to translate into sales or moving the needle. Like there's a, there's a big difference between like being an influencer and being like someone who's actually going to drive people to take action. Yeah. And there's a, there's difference. a huge difference. And uh, we didn't realize how influential he truly was until we launched our first product. And the first product um was what he was consuming from another brand at the time because he believed in it so much which was krill oil so he's like i want to make a krill but i want to make a really good krill so we called it super krill and um we made a krill oil and and that's very unique to launch with and then the second product to follow up very quickly was another product he wanted which was joint war joint warfare so it's a joint support product and he you know he's He's been in the SEALs. He did, you know, um, jujitsu competitively. He's a black belt many, many years. He's put his body through as much as anybody's put their body through. So mm-hmm. like, he's had that wear and tear. So he's like, I need joint support because our joints are our foundation. Like if you have, you can have all the strong muscles and, and endurance in the world, but if your joints don't hold you together, like you're, you're going to be pretty immobile. So uh, that's what we did. We, you know, we built a really strong joint support product. Tell me about Super Krill Oil. Why so niche? And and what did you guys think about starting with that? So um, he was already taking it. He was already taking Krill Oil. And he doesn't talk about things that he doesn't take. So on his podcast, he's like, man, I've talked a lot about Krill Oil. He's like, so it's very authentic to my consumers if we launch a krill oil mm-hmm. and you know of course i had the conversations with him early on like hey you know we should launch this or we should do this this and you know he's just like no you know we're 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 just and he's don't look don't don't get it wrong like he's not like gonna put you in a corner he's very right. open-minded but when it comes to putting his name on something he is very strict especially in the early days like it took it took time for him to build trust in and yeah. and even me and like knowing like he's like I mean, I think this guy knows how to formulate and make products. Like, how do I know he's not going to screw it up? You know, so uh, I had to build that trust with him. And, you know, I think that was also like, it's a pretty straightforward product. And he's like, how can we make it special? So I was like, you know, we can make sure it has, you know, a better omega ratio. It has more astaxanthin than your standard. Um, You know, it has a better phospholipid content. So it's... um, you know, we just made a better product and something he was already talking about and taking. So it was very authentic. And that's why people enjoy his content. I think people can understand, like, um, even though he comes off as a, you know, a Terminator or, or a cyborg at times, like he is very authentic. He yeah. truly like is who he says he is. Like, I, that's why it's a great pleasure working with him. Cause it's not a, I've worked with a lot of people and, you know, there's a, um, I don't want to say an act, but they emphasize the persona, I guess. And he's like the real deal. <laughs> he's, he's Jocko. Dude. I love the trifecta by the way. And going into nutrition where there's a lot of competition out there and, and a brands have already locked in their, their audiences how did you how did you continue to grab foothold after the people that that already believe in Jocko were already sold on him? How did you start expanding from there to get everybody else? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So a couple of things. Um, number one, he has grown since we've even you know been working with him. So we we the timing was perfect in 2017 when we partnered with him only a year after buying that brand. And we launched our first product in the fall of 2017. We 
saw like he was growing as well. So we've been able to grow the business, of course, the Jocko Fuel brand, which is just an extension of him along with his growth. But of course we had to grow outside of that. And something that we've become, you know, that's kind of become, uh, I guess, synonymous with, with Jocko Fuel is, is the, the product reputation. And I think that's key. Like people have to, uh, they have to enjoy the product. And with something like this, either they've got to really enjoy like the taste or they've got, they've got to enjoy like the messaging and the branding, but most importantly, it has to be, has to work, you know? And, and that was, that was one of the biggest things. That was my biggest input was like, I'm failing if I don't build products that work, like they need yeah. to work at a very high level. And, um, you know, we have a lot of like, mm. we're not a super big athlete brand. We're like, I guess a lifestyle brand in the sense of, you know, I think we resonate with everyone because it's really about anyone who wants to just be better every day. Like they just want to be a little bit better every single day. But of course we have a lot of top performers because that's who Jocko talks to as well. Like people that are just like, you know, they're, they're in the game, whether they're, you know, of whatever profession they're in, they're trying to reach that highest level. So they're looking for that extra edge. So you got to build products that can help them do that. That makes sense. So in your partnerships, what what have been some some challenges you've had that that just create a better you at the end? Because in partnerships, what I've when I've talked to people that have partnerships, they're like, man, it's it's tough. It's not it's not easy. There are days that I'm like, I wish I didn't have a partner, but then I get through that and I become better. What are the challenges you've seen for you specifically? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a great question. Uh, partnerships are tough. hundred percent, they're tough, especially if um, you are someone who kind of likes to have things your own way and, and you learn, you know, whether quickly or not quickly, you will learn if you want to find success, you have to be receptive to other people's ideas and and processes and things like that, because otherwise it's just not going to work. Like you've got to be a team player and you've got to be able to, um, you've got to be able to put the mission and and the company and the brand before your personal needs like that is something that is um you kind of know inherently or you should know inherently when you're going into a partnership but there's a difference between knowing and and believing and feeling and when you can um when you can put the company and what's best for the greater good of the organization above your personal desires. That's something that you learn. I feel much more so with a partnership, like, because you've got to um, understand they have, they have their own, they have their own desires. They have their own thoughts and feelings. They have their own lives and their families and everything else that goes into it. And if you're not thinking about all those things and working those into the equation, like you're not going to have a smooth partnership. If you're only thinking about me, 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 and, and my vision and what I think the company needs. What makes a great partner? What are some of the, some of the qualities or characteristics that you think are important? Um, balance. I think a partner who is not going to be a pushover because that's, you know, like you can't have a partner who always agrees with you or always um let you do things your own way because if they're not challenging you you know they're they're doing you a disservice like they're doing the organization a disservice like you should have some level of challenge Mm -hmm. but at the same time they can't be oppositional to everything so i think it's always a happy medium and you want to find someone that you're going to have that relationship with especially if they bring something to the table you know if they're like you know, if you're bringing on a partner and it's just financial interest and they have like zero to add of value outside of that, well, yeah, that's a, that's a certain type of relationship. But when you have a, like for like a silent partner, but when you have like invested in people in the business, like Jocko, although he has a lot of other things going on, like he, uh, he and I stay very close when it comes to product. Mm-hmm. He and I stay very close when it comes to packaging and design. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, there's a, like, he's not just a face. So you have to learn and understand what they're looking for. And, you know, with him, I'm like, I'm literally learning, like, what does he, what tastes does he like? 
you know, what what is his profile like? And, you know, so in the beginning, it would, I'd send him something and he'd be like, this is gross. This is gross. Or I don't like this or whatever. And then you get to a point where you just start sending him product. I'm like, Hey, we worked on this in the lab. What do you think? And he's just like, good to go. Like you just know that it's going to be good. And um, yeah, it's, you know, being receptive and evolving over time to understand like what your partner's needs are. I love that, dude. That is really good. What's the biggest surprise that you've had in starting and growing this nutrition company? The biggest surprise. Um, Man, I don't know if I would say, I would say like from a macro perspective, Mm -hmm. um, man, we, Actually, you know what, from a macro perspective, it's like different stages of the business require different skill sets and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And as long as you are receptive to, you don't know what you don't know, like you have to admit when you don't know something and when you need to bring other people into the organization. So when we first brought in, you know, our, our, our first, uh, C-suite person, Don Miller, when we first brought in our CFO. And you have that like weird, like he's gonna hand over, he's gonna take care of our finances. Like this is <laughs> this is uncomfortable. Yeah, you, know, you, get a, you you put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Yeah. Um, you've you have to you have to be able to put yourself in an uncomfortable position and learn how to deal with that and mm. know what you don't know. Like that's the I would say the biggest macro thing. Um, from, from a micro perspective, man, we set up a bar manufacturing facility and then tore it all down. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole story. Yeah. Dude, I can dive in. how was that? Just tell me, tell me quick on that one. So the quick story is this, we have very strict guidelines for our products and bars are interesting because when it comes to protein bars in particular, not just like general food or energy bars, protein bars. There's really two ways to get them to be um, what you would consider like uh, moist and have them bind. And they're kind of, again, they, they work in synergy. There's sugar and sugar alternatives, which is like dates, honey, sugar, maple syrup, corn syrup, you know, like all the different things that, we, that you would just still say are sugar. Mm-hmm. And then there's glycerin and sugar alcohols. And nobody has made a bar that's actually good, like tastes good and has great texture that doesn't use one of those two things, one of those technologies. And what we had done was we spent so much time trying to find a manufacturer that would do it for us Mm -hmm. and nobody could do it. We worked on project and the project would die. They'd give up and they'd try and position you into, you know, one of their normal, you know, running products. And they would say they were going to do R and D for you and wouldn't, or they would and failed. So oh, we spent, that sucks. yeah, it was, it was rough. And we spent a lot of time doing that. And um, we had some products that got close, but never to our standards. And so it got to a point where we literally started doing development in-house and we were just like, let's see like, how hard is this? And it's definitely hard, but it quickly turned into the mindset of, and I would say this is one of, we've made some sense. Um, business isn't always smooth. Like when you look at the, um, you know, making the ink list or whatever, you see all these wins. Like there's a lot of failures in there that you don't get to see. This is one yeah. of those things. And we call them tuition payments. And um, one of those tuition payments was we were so confident that we could set up manufacturing because we had literally turned on looms and sewing machines and laser cutters and things like that, where we were like, okay, we can make a protein bar and we can set up a manufacturing facility. So that's exactly what we did. We set up a micro manufacturing facility that really was an R&D lab and built a product and spent many, many months and a lot of money doing it. And we built this crazy phenomenal product and then realized that we had no ability, we we could launch it out of that facility, but we didn't have the ability to scale. So we were like, are we gonna invest the millions in infrastructure to build out a bigger facility or are we gonna go manufacture somewhere? So we took our IP and we brought it to manufacturer after manufacturer after manufacturer and none of the protein bar manufacturers could do it. 
they were just like, we can't do this bar. You built something special, but it's way too complex. The process was too complex. Okay. Just the, the manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. It wasn't your standard, hey, let's mix a bunch of ingredients in a blender and let's slab them out onto a tray and cut them up. Like that's the majority of the protein bar manufacturing industry. So we had built this, you know, multi-step um, bar that was very complex, but it was incredible. And it didn't use one of those things that we were talking about, glycerin and those alternatives or sugars. Whoa. So we got something that nobody had done before. Okay. That's great if you can find someone to make it for you. So then we <laughs> had to quickly pivot to the confectionery world where they make candy. And we had someone lined up and they bailed on us on the last minute. And we got to a point where uh, I remember the conversation where Pete and I sat in an office and you know, and I had, I was so in the zone on getting this to market. And he's like, man, and, and he's like, man, like, you know, we're like, we're totally distracted from the rest of the business on this. Mm-hmm. We've got to make a decision. And, and that's what we did. And we gutted the lab. We gutted everything. And we said, Whoa. you know what, maybe someday we'll do it, but we're taking our eye off the ball. Like you can't take your eye off the ball. We had winning products and nutraceuticals. We had winning products in the energy drink that we, the first clean energy drink that we had created. Yeah. And we're like winning, winning, winning. And we're spending so much time on this thing and we're running into a wall. Sometimes you just have to say like, hey, timing isn't now and we need to cut our losses and focus on the winners. Dude, that's a really good story. I love that. What is an, what's an amazing product that you have right now that sells really well? Um, our, our flagship product right now is our energy drink. And it's because we've started getting, um, we first got national distribution at Vitamin Shop and Specialty. And then we launched into Wawa, which is like the the mecca of convenience. Yeah. That's basically the king. And then uh, then we got our first uh, food location with Hannaford Brothers. And now we're launching, and then we launched into HEB. Now we're uh, we're going into Meyer. So it's really taking off. Um, The whole line is, but the energy drink for sure. One energy. Do you guys have one energy drink, or do you have a few? We have one type, but we have eight going on nine, and then ten flavors. What's your favorite flavor? The brand new one we just did, which is pink lemonade. Pink lemonade. I'm gonna have to try that, dude. Pink. Oh yeah, it'll be out. It'll be out in a couple of weeks. We actually built that for Vitamin Chop. Oh, that's cool, dude. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I like that. One of the other things that I would say. Uh, that I feel is important to mention is from my perspective, having to focus on the business as a founder and as, um, you know, the former um, COO who ran, ran the operations all the way until the end of uh, 2020. Now that I'm focused exclusively on product, product marketing, product development, we built this energy drink and we made it like Jocko style, like he didn't want excess caffeine. So I had to bring in nootropic ingredients from the nutraceutical world to like actually make it work the way people wanted, increase the focus and um, support memory and things like that. Um, but with low caffeine. So that was a challenge. We pasteurized it. We did all these things. Basically, we made it like this energy drink on steroids, but it didn't taste that good. It just it was like okay it wasn't amazing it wasn't gross but it was just okay and um you know when you have when it's your baby you don't want to hear that but it got to a point where i was like okay we need to go back to the drawing board and reinvent the flavor systems and the sweetener systems and so that's what me and my team spent the first six months of the year doing and they relaunch now they're actually just hitting the market now but the official launch is august 1st of all the new flavors oh um, cool hitting the market and we're actually running a really cool campaign. We're going to be giving away a customized Bronco to. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. We're excited about that. Yeah. Where do we go sign up for that, dude? That's what I want to know. Yeah. There's going to be, um, man, just, you, you got to hit up the website. There's going to be a whole activation and um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be badass. It's a, um, I believe it's Max Litter, uh, Max Lighter. Uh, is the customizer who's going to be doing the build and it's going to be very Jocko fuel. It's going to be very sick. We'll be all blacked out, jacked up and it's going to be cool. Yeah. We're giving that away as a kind of a a celebration of 
um, these new flavors because we took them, we had a product like efficacy wise, like we believe outperforms anything in the industry, but it just didn't taste good enough. So we had to, you know, admit that to ourselves, even though we don't like that and go back to the drawing board. And that's what we feel like we've done. And that new flavor is an extension of that, that pink lemonade. And it's ridiculous. I love yeah. that, dude. I love the stages too. You're like, Hey, we've got something amazing. It tastes okay. Let's start with that. Then let's make it better as we grow. I love that a lot because a lot of people hold back and they're like, nah, it's just let's just keep on going back to the drawing board and never release, never take action fully. So I love that. Yeah. It's, you know, that's part of our, um, like no pun intended, that's kind of part of our origin is, um, is the uh, constant improvement aspect, like just never settling for um, what we think is good, always challenging that and, you know, trying to listen to the consumer, listen to our people, um, you know, and and just like, if we're hearing something and it seems relative con- relatively constant, you just got to be receptive to that and, and adapt. So, um, that's been a big one for us. So um, I love that, man. Yeah. All right. Where do we go and follow you and learn more about you? Awesome. Yeah. Um, best place probably is Instagram. You can come over and check me out. Uh, Brian underscore origin. And, um, you know, you can find me out, hit me up on on LinkedIn. Uh, and then, of course, you know, check out our website, jockofuel.com. And um, yeah. And, uh, you know check out the products. Hopefully you like them if you, if you uh, check them out, but uh, I'll yeah, let you know that, what I think of the pink lemonade one. dude. Once I let order me know. Yeah. I've been talking it up a lot. So I'm hoping when people actually get it in their hands, it's uh, as good as, as good as they, uh, as they hear it is. So I hit you up. Well, thanks for doing this, man. A lot of great lessons that, that I wrote out here. So thank you for doing this with us. Awesome. I appreciate it. All right, man. I appreciate you. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.